0: Welcome, welcome everyone to another episode of the Bastards of Boston Baseball. We want to shout out any new listeners who are joining us for the very first time. We're happy to have you on board. For those of you who have been here from the start, you already know the drill. We live and die by this team just like the rest of you, and we make no apologies for that. So, welcome into this Bastards Roundtable episode. I'm your host, Jason Kelly, coming to you from Canton, Massachusetts. If you want to find us on Twitter, you can find the podcast account at bastards underscore boston. Joining me tonight from Redding, Pennsylvania is Micah Storms. Micah, how
1: are we doing? I'm doing well, Jason. I'm excited for I would say at least for now, the Red Sox are going to be playing some meaningful games. The I would I would think the environment at Fenway Park this weekend should be pretty electric. I think fans are going to be excited for a big series and I hope that the big series and the meaningful games continue at least into September because this is when the games are fun or should be fun to watch especially as a Red Sox fan.
0: Yeah absolutely and you'll be there this weekend right so you know hopefully you'll bring us some good luck.
1: I hope to see a win.
0: Yep also joining us tonight from Myrtle Beach South Carolina by way of Wyndham, Maine is Terry Cushman. Terry how we doing?
2: doing good the um you know remainder of the season is open to interpretation we're getting some pieces back um offense is sputtering a little bit but uh we'll see
0: yeah obviously red socks are coming off the heels of the trade deadline where they chose to stand pat pretty much for the most part although if you hear i am bloom talk as hey well you did make three deals you know, which is a fancy way of saying, "Oh no, we we did stuff." It was three incredibly microscopic small deals, but they did make three deals. Um, meanwhile, you know, Max Scherzer goes to Texas, Justin Verlander goes to Houston. Uh, your AL rivals loaded up. You decide to stand pat, and we're going to get into that a little bit because obviously, Red Sox are in it. They're not. They're not out of this by any stretch. They are in the wild card hunt as of right now. Um, They've got some easy games coming up here in August, but they've got a bear of a schedule in September that is looming over them. And a lot of it's going to come down to getting some of their internal guys back, particularly on the pitching staff. Right now, they're pretty much rolling with, you know, Paxton, Bayo, Cotter Crawford, and then some bullpen games that involve Nick Bavetta, Chris Murphy, etc. And they're waiting on Chris Sale to come back. They're waiting on Garrett Whitlock to come back, and they're waiting on Tanner Houck, um, all of whom seem like they're close-ish, probably another week or two before we start seeing those guys come back. And the question will be, in what capacity? Alex Cora did already say this week that Chris Sale will 100% come back as a starter. I don't think that's a surprise, I think, at this point. Given his contract situation and given who he is, you— get the most out of Chris Sale that you can by putting him back in that starter role. But the roles for Whitlock and Houck aren't as clearly defined. And there's rumors that they could go to the bullpen, that maybe one of them goes back to the rotation. One of them's a bulk opener guy, you know, or a bulk bullpen guy. Um, So Terry, I'm going to start with you. How do you see the Red Sox pitching staff shaping up going forward for the rest of this year as they try to push towards a wildcard berth? and then even, you know, longer term down the road with some of these young arms. What do you think their their plan is there?
2: Well, as far as the short term, I expect Chris Sale to come back and for the most part pitch effectively. I mean, he's only had one rehab start. I think that was yesterday. He went 40 pitches Twenty six of them were strikes. I forget how many punch outs he had. He walked two, but overall it was a pretty good start. The most curious aspect of it for me was where's the velo? What's he? What's he touching? And he was touching ninety seven, so that's good. And when you look at the first, you know, four or five weeks at the start of the season where sales struggled, his fastball was sitting at like ninety four, ninety five, and it was only when he amped it up you know to ninety seven, ninety eight. that uh, you know he started kind of resembling the chris sale of old so i'm cautiously optimistic that he'll pitch effectively and, and give us a chance to win and give you a good five six solid innings um paxton for now i mean face value he's He's pitched pretty well, and um, I, I don't foresee a change there. Bayo I'm a little bit concerned about. You know, we debated on whether we wanted to talk about that on the last show. Just a little bit inconsistent lately. Uh, the long ball has been a problem, giving up a lot of hard contact. So that kind of bears watching. He should get it back together. You would think only minor adjustments need to be made, and then he'll be back to his self. I mean, we were throwing out the ace label for him, and he probably is a future ace. After that, I mean, I don't I don't really know what to expect. Ideally, Tanner Houck would probably go back into the rotation, but he was up and down, and wasn't really looking well outside of a couple of Yankee starts, um, which was right before the, the facial fracture. And he, he owns the Yankees has great numbers against them and they were a shell of themselves. They didn't have judge. They have a historically anemic lineup that still has like Josh Donaldson, who's basically completely washed. So I don't know how much credit you can give someone for shutting them down. So, we'll see, but I I don't expect Trevor Story to be a huge factor. I mean, he's still, you know, he hasn't really had a normal season in, in quite some time, probably going back to 2019, really. And the bullpen, tons of questions there. I'm still worried a, a lot about the sustainability of this team and I don't have high expectations for the the postseason either. I mean, uh, I should say the hot stove season. So we just don't spend money. Nothing makes sense. This trade deadline did not make sense. From an acquisition standpoint, you know, to the Major League roster, to selling guys to boost the farm, it didn't make sense. And I I question where Bloom stands with, with ownership um it's just it's tough to read right now. It's just so tough to read. This is a weird time to be a Red Sox fan.
0: It really is, yeah, like you said that the direction seems uh fuzzy. It would be the word I would use. it's it's a very fuzzy direction for the team right now um Micah, help us make it make sense. What, what do you think the Red Sox plan is here?
1: It's a pretty loaded question um just because there are. Uh, quite a bit of options if they come back healthy, and I think that's a big if. Um, Starting with Sale, I truly don't know what to expect. Um, Sale really struggled in his first four or five starts. He was very inconsistent, and then he finally started to locate his pitches more. His velo ticked up, but did he get injured because he started to throw harder? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe his body just can't handle 97, 98, and I think he even threw a 99 if I remember back to that Bryce Harper at bat. You know, most pitchers, especially at that arm angle that he throws at, their body just can't consistently throw that hard. And the Red Sox can't afford Sale to come back and struggle for three, four, five starts. They really can't afford that. They need him to give them at least, like Terry said, quality five six inning starts they have to have that but he's going to be one of them but i am curious to see how effective he is upon his arrival paxton his june he was pitcher of the month it was a really great june but his july was up and down and i wonder if we're starting to just see a little fatigue paxton only threw 21 innings in three years because of tommy john surgery and all those injuries he's up to 70 now which really in the grand scheme of things is not that many But in September, when he's over 100 innings, what's his velo look like? What's his overall um, performance look like? I I do wonder about that. Bayo, I still like what I see. Terry, I do agree the home run problem. It's it's a concern. But I think with Bayo, it's probably more he way outpitched expectations for a good six weeks. And this is his first full big league season. You can't forget that. So he's going through adjustments. The league is adjusting to him after he adjusted to them. And it's just that learning curve. And it's there's going to be some good ones. There's going to be some bad ones. But I'm not too concerned with Bayo. The guy that I think should be a lock in the rotation for, at least right now, is Cutter Crawford. I am sold on him being a four or five starter for the, for the near future. Maybe not in September, but I don't see how Chris Sale, Garrett Whitlock, Tanner Houck, any of those three guys come back and you say, well, we got to move Cutter Crawford out of the rotation. Crawford has been solid. He just lowered his ERA after his start in Seattle to 3.62. And if you take out that first start against the, the uh, Pirates at the beginning of the year, how many what is the the highest runs he's given up in in one outing what would you what would you say the guess is
0: I would guess four
2: I would probably go a little higher maybe five or six
1: the answer is four that's the most runs he's given up in in one outing and he's done he only did that three times so in every other outing it's been three runs or less and again I'm approaching the Crawford angle as this is my number five starter. And if the Red Sox number five starter can give them four, five, six innings of three earn or less, I'm going to take that every time. You guys, uh, we were talking before with Tanner Houck, um, before we started recording, he really struggled prior to his injury. And his splits between righties and lefties, I would much rather see Alex Corey utilize him and pick the spot where there's not so many lefties in the lineup for two innings or so, and you use Hauk that way. And maybe you piggyback Hauk off of Crawford or Sale or whatever you want to do. But I think Whitlock and Hawk are the guys that should be the two or three inning guys coming out of the pen. I think with Whitlock, I think he his body probably just – can handle that a little bit easier than throwing five innings and then coming back five days later and throwing five innings again. I think those guys should be in the pen, and it would also allow them to probably come back quicker because they don't have to build up their pitch count so much. So I think the rotation should be, at least in the near future, when all those guys come back, Paxton, Bayo, Sale, Crawford, and I'm giving Nick Pavetta the other spot. Whether you want to use an opener or not, I think Pavetta has earned to be a five, six inning guy. I think he's found something and that would be what I would do if everyone's healthy for the near future.
0: I think I agree with that plan because I I don't know how you can remove Nick Pavetta from the rotation right now. And I, and I, you know, rotation for him kind of goes in air quotes because obviously they do the whole you know, there are, or at least they have been doing the opener thing with him. Um, maybe that's about to change. Um, you know, we saw it this past week that, you know, he just flat out started. So maybe now they're comfortable with just starting him out as a starter and, and going that way. But I don't know how you remove him right now. He's he's too hot. And your manager, you know, Cora has always been a guy who's rode the hot hand. So I think that Pavetta is, I think his rotation spot is safe. Um, and I'm not... I'm not the biggest Cutter Crawford guy, but I've never been sold on Whitlock or Hauk as full-time starters. You know, I, I mean, anyone who's been listening to us all season has heard me rail against the idea of, you know, Whitlock as a starter. I, I, I just don't think he can hold up. Um, I think there's a reason why the Yankees let him go in the Rule 5. The Yankees, who have similarly struggled, like the Red Sox have, to develop pitching within their own system, they let him go for free they offered him up to everybody and yeah you snagged him and you know he's been really good when he's been on the mound he's been very good for you but now the injuries are really starting to pile up for a guy that you also invested in you signed him to an extension so you've got to make sure that you're not wasting that money it's not huge money but still you've got to make sure that you're getting the most out of that investment and i think the way you do that is you you put him in the bullpen and, you know, especially for this stretch right now, you don't need to force him back into the starting rotation. You don't need to say, okay, Whitlock's back. Let's expect, you know, six, seven innings out of him every start, because he'll give you a couple of starts like that, but then inevitably an injury is going to occur. It just seems like that's the constant thing with him. So I agree. I want to see Whitlock going to the pen. And I feel the same way about Tanner Houck, because with Halk, it's different. His injury was a freak accident. You can't do anything about it, although I will say that type of injury scares me for a guy's sort of mentality, particularly for a pitcher long term, getting back on the mound and getting right again. Um, You know, this is an older example, but Matt Clement, Matt Clement was a really good pitcher for the Chicago Cubs, came over to the Red Sox, got beamed in the face. That was it. He could never come back. He tried to. He was a complete mess. His career fell apart and he was done. And he was a guy who was a good, solid pitcher his whole career. And it just all fell apart after that. And you can't blame a guy. I mean, that's, you know, something like that happens. Your your life flashes before your eyes. So, how I'm not sure. I'm just not sure what you're going to get. Not just because of that, but like you guys said, he he's inconsistent. Um, I'm just not sure that he has the stuff or the makeup to really be a starter long term. So, yeah, my rotation, it, you know, if everyone's back and healthy, I'm going same thing Paxton, Bayo, Sale, Pavetta, Crawford. That's, that's, I think that's your best chance right now. And then, you know, have Whitlock and Hauk pitch out of the bullpen. If Cutter Crawford starts to scuffle, you know, if he starts to really get lit up and Whitlock comes back and he looks really sharp, then maybe you consider making a swap there, particularly if you're still in the race, right? If you're still in the wildcard race, then yeah. Maybe you make the swap. Um, if you kind of fall out of it, you know you, you change your plans after that. But this has kind of been my issue with the Red Sox all year is that it's been a whole season of well, just wait until X comes back, right? Like beginning of the year, it was well, just wait till Whitlock comes back because he, you know, he got injured in the spring. Just wait till he's back. Um, just wait till Sale is back. Then Duvall gets hurt. And then it was, well, just wait till Duvall gets back. Then we'll be good. Trevor Story, same thing. The whole year it's been, well, yeah, shortstop's been a mess, but just wait till Trevor Story comes back. Trevor Story hit 238 last year. And yeah, I know he, he got hurt. It, it was a weird kind of year for him, but people are acting like Trevor Story was Manny Machado. He's not that player. He, he never has been. He's, he's a good player, but like he's probably going to hit around 250. Maybe provide you some power. He is better defensively, but you're not getting an MVP back in your lineup. You're getting a, just a solid player. Um, but it's just been a whole season of just wait until X, Y, and Z comes back. So hopefully this is the last time we have to say that. But is Sale, Whitlock, Houck, is that really going to propel the Red Sox forward? I'm not entirely convinced it will. You know, it, Does it provide some more stability because you get those guys back and you don't have to deal with show jakes anymore you don't have to deal with uh you know any of these other nameless bums out of that bullpen this lavera guy that they got you don't have to worry about them anymore sure that helps but if sale comes back and he's not the same and he's starting games giving up four or five runs you know you know early on that doesn't help you either so i think there's still a big question mark as to whether or not these returns are really going to put them over the edge and, you know, put them in a spot where all of a sudden they are going to get a wild card spot and they're going to make the playoffs. I'm just not 100% convinced, and I don't know how anyone else could be.
2: Just a couple of things to, you know, throw out there. Crawford's home, uh, his home and away ERA are drastically, you know, different. Uh, on the road he's got a 236 ERA at home it's a, it's an even 6.00 and Micah mentioned that one start against the pirates and you know it was his worst start but just his last three home starts are pretty bad July 28th against the Mets no no that no, yeah no excuse me July 21st against the Mets only lasted four innings uh, gave up uh, four earned runs, two home runs in that outing. Two weeks earlier, uh, on July 6th, he faced the Texas Rangers, so this was two home starts ago for him. Four innings pitched, seven hits, three earned runs, uh, no homers, but not a good outing, and there was a very quick hook. And then you've got to go all the way back to June 13th to get to three home starts ago that was against the Colorado Rockies which was a terrible series for the Red Sox again only lasting four innings five earned runs and uh excuse me five hits and four earned runs so he hasn't been good at home and you just wonder we're about to enter a long home stand, and We've had a bunch of off days throughout July. Like There were a lot of off days, so Alex Cora was able to manipulate things a little bit. So perhaps he wasn't uh, pitching so much at home. Uh, Over to Nick Pavetta now. Um, I kind of like him as the bulk guy because he's never failed as the bulk guy. The sample size is short because he's only been doing it this year. He did it uh, in the 2021, uh, you know, September and October uh, and, and did it pretty well there. So he's never f- truly failed in that role, but he has failed as a starter time and time again throughout his career. So I just wouldn't mess with it. You're, you're getting Sale back to go with Paxton, Baio, and and hopefully still Crawford. I mean, you got four starters. I wouldn't, I don't know if you want to mess with him just to slot him in fifth. Y- you've got a couple other bulk guys, but th- those are just my thoughts on some of that. Yeah. And
0: certainly one of the reasons why I'm kind of on Micah's side of the fence here with Cutter Crawford, even though I've been iffy on him, at least Cutter Crawford is what, 26, 27 years old? He's still under 30 there's still room for him to reach a little bit of a higher ceiling. I'm not telling you he's going to be ever be a front of the rotation kind of guy. I don't think he ever will project as that, but we know what Nick Pavetta is, right? We, we definitely know what he is. He has reached his ceiling. He's plateaued Um, as much as he's been good of late. Yeah. I could totally see him if he does go back into that rotation as a true starter He might just go back to being Nick Pavetta, the starter, which was a guy who every now and then would give up four or five runs, you know, have really ugly starts, uh, particularly at Fenway. He does not pitch well at Fenway, has an ERA close to five there. So that could definitely happen again, at least with Cutter Crawford. There's a chance that if you invest in him a little bit by keeping him in the rotation, maybe he, you know, delivers for you. And Again, a lot of this will depend on the health of Sale, Hauk, and Whitlock and how they look when they come back. But I'm not opposed to keeping Pavetta in that bulk role and not necessarily promising him a starting role again because, again, we've seen it too many times. He's been here long enough, we know what he is. Um, I just don't know, based on Hauk and Whitlock and their health and their performance, whether or not they're going to be good enough to justify doing that, I just again, I'm I'm still not a believer in in either of those guys for different reasons, but I just don't have a ton of faith. Um, I don't know, Michael. What what do you think about that whole thing?
1: The Crawford home and road splits is definitely eye opening, and I think it's definitely something to keep an eye. You got to watch that because you can't have a six ERA consistently for the remainder of the year at home because they do have some long homestands coming up. So maybe Crawford is the guy that they decide to kind of be the a short bulk guy, three or four innings, and then they go to Whitlock or Houck for three or four innings, and they they limit his opportunities to face the top of the order, you know, only two times instead of three, to so he doesn't have that blow-up inning. But it is something worth uh, watching. Um I think a guy that deserves to be mentioned is Chris Murphy. Chris Murphy has been fantastic for this bullpen, and I think Alex Gore is putting him in the best possible role for him to be successful. He has a 1.59 ERA, and the Red Sox don't need him to throw five, six innings at a time. If he gives them three or four, that's more than, you know, that that is super valuable, and he's also left-handed. The other guys we're kind of talking about for the bulk role or, you know, coming in to piggyback a starter Crawford, Pavetta, Whitlock, Houck, they're all righties. So I like the idea that the Red Sox have a lefty that could give them two, three innings um, against a lineup that maybe is left handed dominant. I like that. And then my last point is with Whitlock, with the state of the bullpen the Red Sox pretty much have the eighth and ninth inning locked up with Martin and Jansen. I would love to see Whitlock go back to that Swiss army knife, 2021 role where whatever inning you find yourself in a tricky spot, you put Garrett Whitlock in the game because you know, he's going to get out of it because that's what he was in 2021. It was the sixth inning first and second one out. All right. Going to Garrett Whitlock innings over. That's really what it was. He was dominant. And, I would like to see them use him in that role because you don't have to worry about well, we got to hold him for the eighth or ninth. That's not a concern. Use him in whatever jam you find yourself in to extend the game and give the Red Sox offense a chance because that's what happened today. We saw that. They got in the sixth inning. They got into a jam and who came in the game? It was Richard Blyer. You don't want Richard Blyer in that game, but if you put Garrett Whitlock in that spot, I think you're going okay. I, I can see them getting out of that jam, or maybe they end the inning tie ball game. Offense still has a chance. Those are the the spots that I want to see Alex Cora utilize Garrett Whitlock. I think that's when he's his value is maximized because he just he succeeds and he almost craves that big moment. He's not afraid of it. And I think this team has been missing that guy who can be put in a spot where it's it's ugly, but you feel pretty confident that you're going to get out of it and and still be in the ball game
0: and to Whitlock's credit, he did you know he has said whatever they want me to do, I'll do it. You know if it's bullpen, if it's rotation, you know if it's just for one inning or it's multiple, I don't care. I'll do it. And I know that's you know an easy thing for any guy to say, but you know, Whitlock's a guy, he's already got his money. He can say whatever he wants. He could pull what Nick Bavetta pulled earlier this year, where he said, yeah, no, I don't want to be in the bullpen. I want to be a starter. Instead, Whitlock is, you know, it sounds like he's open to whatever they want to use him for. So, yeah, I would love to see that, too. Like, he's your shutdown inning guy. When you need a shutdown inning, instead of having to rely on Richard Blyer or Joe Jakes, who, thankfully, he will not be here when this when this scenario takes place. But, like, guys like that. Yeah, I would much rather see Whitlock, and I'm glad you brought up Murphy because we were talking the last show about the lack of lefties the Red Sox have. I don't know how long Jolie is is going to be out for, but hopefully, when Jolie's back, it's him and it's maybe Chris Murphy are your lefties coming out of that pen, you know, and and Bernardino as well, as opposed to Blyer and and Joe Jakes, who just I, I think those guys just don't provide anything for you, so. I would like to see more of Chris Murphy as well. I agree.
2: With Whitlock, I mean if a if a pitcher throws a hissy fit about being relegated to the bullpen, they'll have an opportunity to prove everyone wrong and prove that they can hold it down and come back to the rotation. I mean, Nick Pavetta, it's very borderline right now. I mean, you guys are advocating for it. I'm a little bit skeptical. But Nick Pavetta has forced that to at least be a conversation, you know, whether he, he should or shouldn't. So, I mean, if anyone's crying about staying in the rotation when they're clearly not hacking it, I just I don't have any patience for that. And we'll see. I mean, at this point, I think Whitlock knows, okay, I, I just can't do it. I can't do it six innings at a time every fifth day. I am just I don't know if it's genetics or mechanics or what, but he's just not that guy. And you can have a really long career as an effective late inning pitcher. I mean, look at David Robertson. We were talking him on the about him on the last show. Where did he go again? He went to Miami. Miami. And I mean, he's been around forever. Is still still pitching. I mean, he wouldn't be a closer on a you know a dominant big market team, but still, you know, a very trustworthy guy. So just just get after it, you know, and that that's all that matters. And we've seen Hauk thrive in that role last year before the back surgery. So. They just need to. They just need to put the pieces uh, in the right places. They've. They've got a lot of guys that can give you at least three or four innings, and that that solves the rotation in a way, and it solves the bullpen. And you just need guys like Yoshida, Duran, Devers to stay hot. Um, Verdugo, now that we know we're keeping him. And then we'll we'll see what happens. But like I said, it's it's very it's all very open to interpretation at this point. Yeah, and you know, your point about
0: if Whitlock does become a reliever or a closer, you know, to to that extent, I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world. There's been a lot of guys who went from starting to closing who had huge success when they converted. Wade Davis. Wade Davis was supposed to be a you know a long term starter for the Rays never quite could figure it out. You know, Kansas City turned him into a reliever and he won like closer of the year one year or something like that. Um, Ian Kennedy did it at one point. Oliver Perez pitched till he was like 41. That guy was a starter with Pittsburgh when he came up and then switched to a reliever midway through his career and got an extra like seven, eight years out of it because of that. So maybe Garrett Whitlock has to sort of look internally and say, yeah, if I'm, my hip's, Keep getting hurt, or my neck, or whatever, from starting. Maybe this is the direction I have to go, um and I think for the Red Sox that could be very beneficial. So
2: Andrew Miller and Jonathan Papelbon, both you know Red Sox examples of, <clears throat> excuse me, failed starters who became dominant relievers.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So it could very well happen. Obviously, that's further down the line for him. I think, but. I think at least for this year, yeah, put him in that Swiss Army knife role of just, you know, whatever you need to shut down inning late in a game or even a sixth, seventh inning like you needed in this past Toronto series. Use Whitlock there because I think the where he's at his best. But we'll see what they do, because I know that there's a lot of people in that organization that are determined for him to be a starter. And we'll see how long they they push that envelope on that. But. Yeah, a lot of moving pieces coming back pretty soon in the coming weeks. Um, a lot of decisions that have to be made. And meanwhile, the Red Sox just have to not just tread water, but they've got to they gain some ground here, especially with this August schedule. You know, Royals, Tigers, Nationals, they're all coming up. So those should be an easy way to stockpile some wins and uh, give yourself a little bit of a buffer. But we'll see what they do. Um, and we'll see what happens when all of those injured players come back and how they utilize them. So on that, we will wrap up this roundtable. Keep an eye out for the weekend crew Monday morning. They'll have you guys. They'll recap the Toronto Blue Jays series, and we'll be back with you guys next week for everything else. So until then, take care.